Frank. Yes, darling. Did I ever tell you about being Worm Girl? No, you definitely didn't. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me tell you then. I, I reckon I was five, and I was in the school playground. It had been raining, and there were lots of worms out on the tarmac. And so I had this duffel coat, and I decided to rescue worms. I, I did rescue insects quite a lot when I was a kid, and I was obsessed with the RSPCA mm-hmm. and like writing letters to newspapers and stuff a little bit later. Uh, but at this point, it was more like rescuing flies and things. And so I started collecting all the worms and putting them in my duffel coat pockets. And I started to collect a small crowd as well. Watching you do this. <laughs> a I'm crowd not of surprised. kids going, and of course, that just spurred me on. Mm. And so I kept going. I would have probably stopped, but I kept going until the worms were just spilling out of my pockets. Wow. And the headmistress was called. Of course. And the headmistress was very nice about it and um, contacted my mother and sent her a library book on how to make a worm farm at home. <laughs> Because she'd assumed that this interest would continue. Did you get to take the worms home with you? (laughs) No, I was going to put them all back. But of course, I'd have my first taste now of notoriety linked to something you're into. You've then become the person that's into that. And of course, that kind of notoriety becomes even easier if you're the sort of person who becomes very obsessed with things and goes all in. So I want to do an episode on obsession. Do you get obsessed with things? I don't think so. Um, I think I've got a healthy connection to my interests. What about... Here we go. (laughs) An obsession, right? It can be something that somebody carries for life. Mm. And, you know, often neurodivergent people could fall into one of two categories. So somebody who has an obsession for life... So bird watching, computer programming, something that they're just always fascinated with. Right. Or it can be the flash and burn, find them, fuck them, forget them kind of obsession where someone's just massively into it for anywhere between, well, a lunch break or, you know, a few years and then just completely discards it and moves on to the next thing. Yeah, I think I'm more like that. Like I'm, I got into archery for a bit mm. and dreamt about it. I would dream about um, shooting people with arrows and protecting my house with arrows. Really? Yeah. And I built a range at my house, yeah, which yeah, is still there. Yeah. Yeah. What about, though, when you just get kind of hooked onto a topic for a while? Like, you didn't stop talking about crypto for a while. And then it was AI. And then whatever audio book you're listening to, like, you'll tell me every single latest instalment. That's just getting an interest. Like, crypto, I was just so interested in the scammy nature of cryptocurrencies and and the people that are around it. And AI is just fascinating, so you get obsessed for a bit and then you move on to the next topic. Maybe you're just more talkative about your natural interests more than most people. Yeah, maybe I just bore you with everything. There's still balance, but you just talk about them an awful lot. Yeah. Mm. Well, I've always found that I'll get absolutely 100% into something and think of very little else. But then once I've either plateaued or achieved some kind of goal I cast it aside so I mean a recent one would be Muay Thai where I was training five days a week watching fuckloads of videos buying all the gear and competing I kept it up for three years until I 
had my first amateur and then as soon as I'd stepped out of the ring it was like a switch flicks off and I was like oh you're fucking kidding are you the amount of effort I've put into this right but mm. it just gone and then you did the same with bodybuilding yeah 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 and it's always been that way so but I wonder am if... I just an obsession <laughs> for a short period of time mm-hmm no absolutely not <laughs> But maybe obsessive people can actually be a good thing. Like some jobs require it. For instance, you know, I'm a writer and I write books in particular. Mm. And you have to carry around a whole universe in your head for about two years, which is very hard to explain to other people. So it's essentially just you thinking about this thing and you've got to think about nothing else. Yeah, I get that because, I mean, actually, that's, that's probably one thing I do get obsessed with when I'm writing a script I'm obsessively thinking about it. I've seen you writing a script. Like I've I've observed you when you're not looking. What? And you're so you're so in that zone. I've seen you like in public in cafes and stuff, hunched over, feverishly hunched over, <laughs> <laughs> a, a big printout document with your lips moving and like your face expression changing <laughs> as you do each character. I'm, I'm doing the dialogue. <laughs> Well, I don't know how else every, I don't know how everyone else does it. <laughs> well, what's the difference between obsession and addiction? Because my brother, the only obsession I've kind of observed is my one of my older brothers. If you don't name which one, it's fine. Yeah, yeah, I won't name which one. The other one's going to be so disappointed. <laughs> but um, he's a gambling addict. Mm. He was a really good mathematician, probably the smartest guy in the family. Went to math school. Was going to become a maths teacher, but then the dark side took him over. It is the same, really, because both drug addiction or gambling... I mean, in AA, they call it an obsession, amongst other things. They're all about the reward system. They hijack the reward system, and you, you need more dopamine all the time. And that's the same with an obsession. Like, if you were a stalker, for instance, every time you do something stalker, you're getting a hit of dopamine. So that worm hit you were getting... <laughs> every worm I picked up... No, seriously. Every single worm I picked up and put in my pocket, ding, like you're playing a video game, ding, 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 ding. So anyway, I went for a walk today with a woman called Megan Burks, and I'd actually been a guest on her podcast, Sisters in Stoke, so obviously you couldn't come. But we talked at length about bodybuilding, addiction, and ADHD, because she's also an ADHD coach, and we really hit it off, and we live close by, so we thought, oh, let's just go out and go for a cliff walk. And we were about halfway into it, and just trading stories, and she, I was thinking, God, we've got to come back to mine now and record this because, you know, every five paces I'd learned about a different crazy job she'd done or a different activity she'd thrown herself into. And I recognised this real all-in attitude she had to these activities. We started talking about obsession and as we've got older, how we've managed to sort of channel that into more positive things than perhaps when we were younger. And also how to kind of unhook it from goals it's great to have goals but if you're really really goal driven and everything's got to have a goal attached to it then you're constantly having to chase the next one and chase the next one and chase the next one and you're not smelling the roses and you're just kind of setting yourself up for disappointment because between each goal you kind of have this slump and you feel bereft you know have you felt that Absolutely. When I gave up the Muay Thai, I felt completely bereft and in limbo. And I knew that it would dissipate when the next thing came along. And it's the same with writing books. Like, once it's out there, you've now got to really abruptly let go of this whole world. And then what replaces it? Something's got to replace it. Will it be something positive? 
All right. So we're going to meet Megan. Great. And she's going to make your head spin. Excellent. You're listening to Spirit Levels, the podcast that pressure tests the wellness industry. I'm journalist Jenny Valentish. Every week with my partner, actor filmmaker Frank McGree, we'll immerse ourselves in wellness practices from the pseudo to the sensible and we'll fresh out the benefits. This is a bit unexpected. <laughs> uh, do you want to give us a bit of background first about your ADHD coaching, how you got into it and, and when, that kind of thing? Yeah, sure. Um, thank you, by the way. this is I love this stuff. This is what's great about having ADHD is that you meet people and you're like, let's go do this thing. Yeah, but now. Yeah, but like right now. Um, I've been a coach now for over 15 years, so I'm a certified professional coach. And then the ADHD niche is to me where there is a gap between people being diagnosed, yep. given medication often, but no tools. Or at best, like a CBT worksheet or something. Yeah, that kind of thing. <laughs> and there's not a lot of access there. It's something that I think is really important. Sometimes working with someone with lived experience is, you know, you wouldn't hire a weightlifting coach who's never touched a weight in their life. So getting to work predominantly with women who are going through this process of just wanting to have a context to understand who they are, why their brain works the way it does, and certainly <laughs> having many passions slash obsessions slash special is, interests slash hyper focus <laughs> is definitely a part of that process okay cool so the reason this whole let's record an episode came about is on our walk we're riffing and i suddenly noticed that you had you'd come up with at least 10 really interesting things that you've done <laughs> that just kept rolling off each other naturally and i was like fucking how many lives and jobs has she had so Let's go through a few of the things that have absolutely hijacked your attention over the years. Okay. Um, we've got mycology, which is mushrooms. And I actually enrolled in uni. Uh, and I had two young kids and we owned a business at the time. And I was like, yeah, I'll study in the evenings. I can learn calculus. Was this oh your paleo cafe? Yeah. Okay, so yeah. it ties so into that. with paleo as well. And, you know, at that time I wouldn't eat anything that wasn't paleo, which is... Uh, you know, hilarious. And were you into sexy mushrooms like lion's mane? And oh, all yeah. The, okay. The reishi. Like, the reishi. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which does look like a womb. And it is beautiful. And I actually do feel quite a, a spiritual connection still to fungi. I think they're fascinating. I think their potential for changing the world is, is really huge. Roller derby. And roller derby was one that I trained for the year. You know, we trained like 12 hours a week, which is... Uh, it's a full contact sport. It's got a higher injury rate than than AFL. It's it's pretty full on. I had a young baby at the time, and I trained to go all the way up to my green level so I could compete and play. And I did one bout or one match, and then I was like, okay, I'm done. Uh, hula hoops, <laughs> hula hoops of various shapes and sizes, so I could learn tricks and join the circus was probably the goal. Um, rock climbing, <laughs> super obsessed with rock climbing. Yeah, and and a lot of these things you're mentioning, it takes a lot of time to accumulate yeah. the skills. Yeah, it well it does. Um, currently obsessed with steel mace. It's the ancient weapon, and so you're swinging them around you your swing head. It. Yeah, you swing it around your head, and then I do what's called steel mace flow. So I'm actually a certified level one coach in that, yeah. and I've actually stuck with that for a couple of years now. Can we just detour into the thing you were telling me about? <laughs> you had an idea of people who get obsessions; they get it with gear, yeah, and then they lose interest, yeah, and then they got the gear. So what was yeah. your idea? Well, my idea. Stay tuned. I'm going to run a festival, a neuro spicy festival is kind of the working title. And everybody can bring 
all their obsession, all their gear. So you can bring your model trains and your guitar and your crocheting, cake making, cosplay, cosplay, whatever it is. And we're just going to have a big swap meet. Yeah, because you're done with it now. You've completely you're lost interest. It. And some of these things have a huge financial outlay. I've still got my roller derby boots. Yes. Yeah. Well, just we been should go skating sometimes. I still <laughs> skate sometimes. I still actually use my roller skates, unlike my unicycle, which was something else that I bought. And was like, oh, this is harder than I thought it would be. <laughs> I watched elderly Asian women doing it for years when I lived in Korea. So I thought, oh, I can do this. I could not do that. Yeah, yeah. I think as well with people who people like us who throw themselves into things we get very dispirited at first you're really good at it because it's rapid learning yeah and then you plateau as everyone does and that's where you really sort the wheat from the chaff who's who's going to stick with this thing and who's not and i think people like us will often even if it's three years in just go i'm average at this yeah fuck this i'm moving on but i also think that like for me from the scientific perspective there's a really sweet spot with dopamine where something has to be hard enough but not too hard. And that's this Mikhail chick sent me high flow state. Like that's certainly all that research as well is that it's, you, it's got to be just hard enough, not too hard that it's overwhelming Fascinating. kind of thing. And so there are things that I've done where, you know, like rock climbing, I'm never going to be the best rock climber in the world. I know this about myself. I wanted to climb Everest for years. I was like, I'm going to climb Everest. And then one day I was like, I just want to tell people who climbed Everest. Like I don't There's actually... a lot of validation tied into all this, yeah, isn't it? A lot of external validation. Yeah. A lot of it. And I had considered myself someone who was so goal-oriented and so driven that in my 20s, when I lost that for the first time in my life and didn't know what was next, that was really distressing. Is that depression? Yeah. And that's Mm. where the drugs and alcohol came in. Yeah. Because I just was like, I don't know what to do if I'm not pursuing this thing all the time. Yeah. But I was so burnt out in academia, and I knew at that point that wasn't what I wanted to go back to. I'd been a human rights intern for a year, and I'd realized I do not have enough boundaries to do that work. I'm Mm. too sensitive to do that work full time, and I was so lost. The reason I'm so good at what I do now is because I get to work with totally different people all the time. It's okay. Where are we up to? So a not great obsession was healthy eating when I got sober. And I was obsessed with going to the gym because that's what I did instead of going out drinking. Mm -hmm. Um, And that became years and years of really disordered eating, restricted eating. I was really, I was great at restricted eating until I wasn't, you know, Uh, then I was great at binge eating Then I, you know, so that kind of flowed on from that. Um, I've got a mountain bike. I love riding my bike. It is, it's terrifying. I, my brakes will get worn out very quickly. I was a kid's party starter. Bunny hopping down the train. Oh my gosh. Wait, wait, wait. What's a kid's party starter? Kid's party starter. So literally I dressed up in like a sparkly outfit and I would go when there was like a DJ at kid's parties and hype the kids up and get them dancing. Are you the hype queen? I was the hype queen. And I'm a hype queen for a lot of my friends. Like that's just, I just And love... a coach is a hype queen. Yeah. Well, I mean, really, that's what my job is. Yeah. And... People sometimes are like, what, people pay you to, like, cheer them on? And I'm like, yeah, like, who doesn't need to be cheered on? Uh-huh. And if paying someone for a couple months gets you where you want to be, then, like, spend your money how you want. Um, I've been obsessed with rope flow, which is another flow activity. So there's a bit of a theme here. Love the you flow. You can see with flow. Does that calm your mind? It does. Yeah. And rope flow is really fun. Um, with the mace, with mountain biking, with uh, rock climbing, all those things, like if you lose your focus, you can get really hurt quite badly. Rope flow, yeah, I've smacked myself in the face with the rope a couple times, but you're not going to, you know, decapitate yourself. Um, I was a stand-up comedian. 
very briefly that had been a lifelong dream of mine. Were you something good? I was good. I was very good. Right when everything was kind of picking up and I was starting to get invited to go do open mics and fresh meat nights, the pandemic happened. Mm. I went to one online Zoom gig, mm. but you had to everyone had to be <laughs> muted. You can't, there's no Who, laughing. What performer wants to perform with no feedback oh from the audience? That was like, how, one of the reasons I found AA so difficult because yes. you're giving this, the speech of your life, especially if you're not used to this kind of thing, and then you kind of want everyone to stand up and like break into applause like, and there's nothing. You're like, this is my glory story. Why aren't you like celebrating <laughs> me right now? Um, that's really funny, actually. I have similar experiences. You've, you've got the book of poetry out, but you were telling me about another possible book based on all the other books that fallen by the wayside yeah so uh, i thought of pitching a book called like 50 first chapters about a woman <laughs> who can never write more than the first chapter because i get struck with these ideas um and you get gripped by them like you wake i wake up in the middle of the night and i'm like and it's, on the phone notes yes, to do this. yeah you yeah. know or like i do it's like free writing and sometimes i can watch my hand writing and i'm like i don't even know what i'm writing but then i get to the point where i'm like okay i'm actually gonna have to think about developing these characters and the setting and the plot and i'm like that's all very dull you're on an ideas own, person megan yes i actually <laughs> what i need is a benevolent benefactor to just fund I have ideas for apps that I think are brilliant. I have ideas for websites all the time, but I'm not going to follow through on them. That's been hard, but really important for me to actually get to this place where I can just have an idea mm. and not have to do something with it. Yeah, not beat yourself up about that. Because yeah. that's, I mean, we're very goal-oriented people and everything yeah. I do has to have an outcome and an audience so how do you get around that i think i had to really look at my relationship with why i do things and what i started to realize is that i am an inherently curious person and i think we're all inherently curious people i just think that gets kind of drummed out of us I had to look at the Protestant work ethic and capitalist stuff that had been instilled in me that you need to work hard and do something and like there has to be a point to everything and, and it, it's a good career, you know. But I know myself now in my 40s, I'm like, I'm not going to put the effort in to get really good at this thing. Yeah. And that's fine. Like it's fine to do things just because you enjoy them. Yeah. So I've been called a, a jack of all trades, yeah. master of none. But you're saying, fuck it, you're doing something that sparks your joy, as they say. Yeah. And that's fine. You don't have to see it through to being an expert. No, and I think I think I've had to put some parameters in place for myself over the years around financial stuff, about like how much money I invest in these new hobbies, how much gear I want to buy for them. That kind of stuff, I think, especially uh, when I wasn't like a single person with disposable income, it was fine. Mm. It's different when you have a family kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, I'm going to buy a pole for the spare room. Yeah, yeah, that kind of thing. Yeah, it's just yeah, $1,000 yeah. and oops, the ceiling repair is going to be another 500 <laughs> you know. So I look at lower cost activities, I guess. But I also think that there are parts of our brain that are stimulated when we learn something new. That it's not when we learn to be an expert at something that's actually a very niche part of our neural pathways. 
Um, and that requires repetition and time and consistency, which are not my strong suit. And I think I've also learned social media has been great because it's given me a much lower cost way to expose myself to different things I'm interested into as opposed to years ago when I'd have to get like all the magazine subscriptions. Mm. Like it was really hard to find information about my obsessions. Yeah. Um, whereas now, if you look at my Instagram, like who I follow, you're like, oh, that's when you're obsessed with CrossFit. That's when you were obsessed with this. That's when yeah. you're obsessed with circus arts. And that's... on your podcast, you were saying, yeah. oh, I just, I'd love to get, well, you do get guests on who have the sort of careers that you yeah. love, like someone from NASA, someone who's a volcanologist. Volcanologist. <laughs> she studies volcanoes. I've got a rodeo rider coming on. I've got, like, I basically made Living a list vicariously of, yeah, now. all the Barbies I wanted to be when I was a kid. Yeah. And then I found the women that are doing those kinds of things because I just think it's fascinating. But I hear them talk about the discipline it took for them to get to that level of mm. their career, and I'm like, yeah, I'm never going to do that. Yeah. But also throwing yourself into something short-term, yeah. you meet new people. So mountain biking, for instance, yeah. instant community. Absolutely. And especially here on the peninsula, both surfing and mountain biking, the community of women I have met through that, which have been really important to me, mm. has been phenomenal. Yeah. Like the support and the collaboration instead of the competition has been really pretty beautiful. Yeah. And often, you know, you're accumulating these skills that are transferable that will sort of like lead you on to the next thing, I guess. Yeah. Um, I have found, though, particularly when I was younger, if I got really deep into an obsession, it often meant I was actually really stressed about something. Yeah. And this was my distraction. And it was so powerful. It was almost like, you know, and it, like a, a drug getting its hooks into you. And sometimes when I was younger as well, actually quite often, it would be real people. So it, like Gary Oldman, yeah. for instance, when I was like 22, harmless, but you, it was weird. It was like my brain had been hijacked. So I had to watch every single thing he'd been in. I had to look at pictures of him and it didn't feel good. It didn't feel like a healthy thing at all. And I knew even then, this is not about Gary Oldman. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> But your brain has just almost randomly gone onto something to distract you from something really difficult. Yeah. But I don't, like, I think I'm really good now. And this is the work I do with my clients is, are we distracting ourselves from something that needs to be, you know, worked on or addressed or looked at? Or is this a distraction? Because distraction is quite pleasant. Life's pretty stressful. Mm. It's like the world's literally on fire. There's floods. Like it's, I don't want to read the news. I don't want to think about reality all the time. Just look at Gary Oldman. Just just look at Gary. I don't think I want to look at Gary. Social media is something I'm actually very grateful did not exist when I was a teenager. Mm. The dopamine. And even now that's something I'm, and I'm clear with myself with my boundaries around my use of social media, my relationship to it. But I'll find myself on someone's page scrolling and like all of a sudden I'm liking a photo yep. from like nine years ago. And I realize like I've just liked like 40 <laughs> photos. Of the, and I'm like, oh, my God, why did you just spend an hour? You know, I keep thinking people worry that if they're browsing porn, somehow that will get leaked. You know, yeah. they've been looking at. I think people would be way more freaked out if it was leaked. How many times you've looked at a person's instagram yeah especially people would just kill themselves everywhere. oh and especially like the ones that come up every so often it's like want to see who's been looking at your face but like the number <gasps> like the number of fake ads yeah and those yeah, stories yeah, yeah. that you hear about people that you know they're stalking like their ex-husband's new wife or something and suddenly they find themselves liking the photo and they're yeah, like yeah. oh no like you know all of that kind of stuff but i also know now when i do that that it probably is a sign like there's something about that person that represents something mm. i want yeah. And I also have that relationship with people who trigger me. 
because it is a mirror. Yeah. And I, you know, I look at, I look at women in particular, I look at, and it's usually like a confidence in themselves that I don't feel I have, which is funny because people are like, you're so confident. Nobody feels confident. Yeah, I don't yeah, care yeah. how confident they look. No, I can almost guarantee everyone thinks they're an imposter. Or I see them, I don't know, sometimes I see them like they're spending more time with their kids. And I'm like, oh, maybe my life feels a bit out of balance right now. But I think I've also learned, and this has been another thing I've had to unpack, is that I can enjoy watching people be successful and enjoying their lives without jealousy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's progress. Yeah, it is. All right, I'm really looking forward to this swap meet. Please make that a reality. Please don't just think that's a brilliant idea and then let it go into the ether. No, I won't. Don't let go of the balloon string. No, I'm not going to. I've told a couple people now and they're all like, no, we actually have to do this. And I'm like, we'll do it. All right, cool. Stay tuned, everyone. (laughs) Hey, friend. Yep. What's it like living with a partner who can veer on obsessive? Um, well, I've only seen it the once when you did the bodybuilding. I know you've done it before with um, Muay Thai. Um, if you were going to continue to do bodybuilding, I think it would become a bit of a problem. But it was a bit of a novelty and I loved watching the social experiment. But why would it become a problem? If someone is securing themselves as you are and has their own interests as you do, what does it matter if the other person goes off on their kind of fruit loop wormhole mission? Well, in that case, you spend a lot of time by yourself doing your bodybuilding. So time-wise, you're poor towards me. (laughs) (laughs) And... You were immersed in that. That was what you were thinking about. And I think, you know, it's it's more interesting if you've got broader ranges of dialogue instead of what you were eating and what you were lifting. It is very narrow because by necessity, you have to just focus on that one thing. And at least with this, we both knew there was an end date. There was going to be a Absolutely. competition date and then it was going to be over. Yeah. And you were pretty good about it. You never gave me a hard time about the fact that I was getting up at five and leaving. Or, you know, because normally now, first thing we do when we get up is jump well, on top of each other and then go for a walk. Yeah, well, that's right. We have, we have a really fun morning routine. That wasn't there. You were out the door at five. And the fun evening routine was also not there. Yeah, looking back at it, it was really <laughs> shit. <laughs> so is there like a sweet spot of how much space you could allow for someone's obsessive behavior, do you think? I guess the sweet spot is just being conscious of your partner. Like, Mm. I mean, we've included each other in my obsessions, like mountain biking. You know, you've now got a bike. Yeah, we ride it to the coffee shop. Yeah, well, you will be getting to the harder tracks. Um, And tennis, I'm obsessed with tennis and, you know, we play tennis together. Yeah, and most of the time you go on your own and do your your little, your comps. (laughs) Did you say little comps? And then sometimes They're really we, big comps. And then sometimes we do it together, and that's a nice compromise. Yeah, yeah. But I think also financially, you've got to be aware of your partner. Mm. Like if I suddenly go, I'm going to take up paragliding, hmm. yeah, you're probably going to go, oh, how much is a paraglider? <laughs> yeah. Also, like ultra marathon runners, I mean, they're traveling all around the world. Mm. Time, I reckon, is a big one because, it's, I mean, like if I said I'm going to suddenly get into golf, you know, that's five hours on a Saturday or a Sunday. Yeah, and at this point in our relationship, you know, that, that would be quite tragic, whereas in 10 years' time, I'm happy to buy you the gloves. <laughs> so what's your next obsession then? I don't know. I'm just saying, brace yourself, because it's, it's bound to come quite soon. Well, brace yourself, because I already know what mine is. Yeah. I'm going to be breeding angora rabbits <laughs> and small flightless birds. It's... Anyway, I reckon next episode, which is yours, yep. does verge on obsession. Because you do this 
all the time and you've got me into it. Oh my god! Yeah, and this is ice bathing or cold water immersion, mm -hmm. which, um, yeah, I do it most days. I try and get you into it. Building me an ice bath. I'm building you an ice bath. We're off to the UK and Iceland where the water is two degrees. And we're also going to talk to the Port Melbourne icebergers who swim all year round for up to an hour in the morning before it's even light. In the sea. In the sea. Wow. Incredible. All right. Take us on board your obsession. Mm-hmm. Will do. It seemed really remiss after that conversation not to try something else new. And so I borrowed something from Megan, Ropeflow. She showed me herself. So you can head to our Instagram page, Spirit Levels Podcast, or TikTok, which is just Spirit Levels, and see how that turned out. I've also linked to Megan's podcast, Sisters of Stoke, in the show notes. 